0: This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. You know, hearing again that, that idea of getting to that point where like the clear water is all that I am. And we, we start to understand real rest because I think for a lot of us, I would imagine, please give me a yes or no. Does life feel a little overstretched? Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Life feels a little bit much a lot of the time. And so how can we find in faith not another thing to do on the to-do list, but actually find in faith this real rest? Now I want to start out this this series, this is the opening of a two-part series called Real Rest, and I want to start out by just taking a quick poll. Now I'm going to show you two video clips, and you get to decide which one is better representative of your life, all right? And these are only like five-second video clips, all right? So clip, video clip number one, how's the ocean looking for you today? That's the question. Video clip number one, lasting about five seconds here. All right, that's number one. And this is number two. That was really short. There we go. Get it again. See if it comes again. No? Can you give an ah with that? Ah. ah, that is it. Oh, I'd love to be on that ship. All right. Now, quick, quick hand raise here. How many of us more identify with ship number one than ship number two? <laughs> well, number one. We identify so much with that. Like that is how we tend to to live our lives. That that things do feel way up and way down. And the point of this service is this. The point of this series. I think so much it's easy to look at concepts like peace and rest, and to add on the word when. I'll find peace or rest when, and then we have a fill-in-the-blank list. I'll find peace when I have the perfect job, the perfect partner, the perfect this, the perfect that, the perfect, and we have the list. Now, now, how many of us have ever fulfilled all that list? Not that often. And it's moving from that, where we don't look at the circumstances anymore, like life can still have these big waves, to where we find a peace that just is a baseline for it all. Just peace. That idea of rest, that idea of shalom, that idea of, of, of what Sabbath can actually be, where we find the calm in the storm. Now, I want to talk about that. And, you know, by the end of this service, I guarantee you're going to see Coke Zero very differently than you probably do today. And I want to talk about about sort of the Sabbath part and what all this means. Now, Now, the Sabbath, the idea of Sabbath goes way, way back, way back to the story of creation. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So this is God giving these commandments. He's saying, look, this is the stuff you need to do. Observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Work six days, do everything you need to do. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guest visiting in your town. For in six days God made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, God, say the B word there, therefore God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. So we have this idea, right? That, that here's God saying like, look, you have to have a Sabbath. Now we'll take a look at this. I'm going to come over here. It says really simply six days of work, one day of rest, right? Six days of work, one day of rest. This is, this is on purpose folks. This is to give us ideas. This is to get us thinking. Because how many of us keep on doing this? A little more, 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 a little more. We keep on adding more and more and more. And life can continue to just have that sort of that frenetic pace to it. How many of you can identify with what I'm saying here? You know, where we just... Keep on adding. And here's God saying, like, again, six days of rest, one day, uh, six days of work, one day of rest. So we got these six days, and he's saying, look, it's so important that you have this one day of rest. And again, the Sabbath, it's really important. Please listen carefully. The Sabbath, you know, Christ comes along and he says, well, the Sabbath, actually, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about living a healthy life, about finding peace, about about this place here where we have a day where we live outside of our fears, our anxieties, our worries, and where we come to understand the world in a very different way, a different perspective. That's what church is all about, this authentic alternative. Now stepping back over here, there's stories in the Bible that go back thousands of years that actually talk to us about this, that actually help us to see how this might work. I wanna read for you a story here. This is from Exodus. Now, the story of Exodus, for those of you who aren't big Bible scholars, which very few people are, it's a story of an enslaved people. And these enslaved people have been enslaved by the ancient Egyptians, and God tells them, look, it's time to get out of slavery. So they move out of slavery. Now, that may sound like, well, yeah, moving out of slavery, doing it a different way, super simple. Won't that feel great? Does it always feel great to do things a different way? Yes or no? no there's a challenge in moving forward, and I want you want you folks to listen carefully here there's a challenge that at times makes slavery look really good, enslaved by our fears, our worries, our concerns. I mean one of the biggest challenges with our with our fears, worries, concerns, all those addictions, all those things that sort of trap us is that in a weird way, we like it at least I do. It, there's a comfort there. And so as they move out, they start becoming deeply annoyed because there's not enough food and there's, there's worries and there's concerns. Things are changing and God's trying to say, look, I need you to kind of understand even food in a different way. Understand, listen folks, understand what's going to feed you in a different way. Because when we move out of slavery, what fed you here is not going to be what feeds you here. It's going to be a different kind of food. A different kind of thing that that sort of settles into our hearts, gives us a feeling of sustenance. And that's where we pick up this story. If you're following along at home, it's Exodus 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses. Moses was the one who was leading them out of slavery. The Israelites said to Moses, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Now, it's kind of funny. It's just looking back at slavery, and they, they were looking back going like, oh, wasn't that terrific? We had the time of our lives. Well, they didn't. They didn't. But that's the way our minds work. I mean, that's the beauty of the Bible is we can read a story thousands of years old and go, me too. Like, I get that. It's so easy to look back at that stuff that enslaved us and to actually say, yeah, wasn't it so good? When reality was, it wasn't. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Again, you got to love the irony in that. Like here they are accusing Moses. Like you wanted us to get out of slavery? Great. We're here. Now what? You brought us out here to to perish, which wasn't true. He brought them out there so they could be free. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And here's a picture, folks, of how that looked. You know, we all know the song, or, or a lot of us do, the the guide me, guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Guide me with thy powerful hand. And then the big chorus comes in: bread of heaven. It's a big dramatic song by one of the famous composers. <clears throat> and it's 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 that idea of bread of heaven. Like here's this bread of heaven that's 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 starting to arrive, and listen to how it arrives. That evening, that evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor, and the Israelites saw it. They said to each other, manna. Now, can we say manna together? Manna. Manna, manna, for they did not know what it was. They did not know what it was. And you look at the beauty of that, folks. Like the word manna, please say those three words with me. The word manna means, (laughs) what is it? And isn't that like, it's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. Brilliant stuff going on here. We can pull this right into our lives. We go into these new phases of life. We get out of forms of slavery, things that are binding us. And we start, to get you know a little bit worried, what's going to feed me in this place? What's going to work for me in this place? And what God does is He shows up. Say the M word again. He shows up with manna. With what is it? We're never quite sure. I think about somebody who who you know loses a job. You know, their whole identity was around their career. They were really like bound to their job the career was their whole life and then all of a sudden they lose that for whatever reason they go into a new place and they're unable to find like these things that had fed them here in their career world aren't able to feed them here anymore literally like they're not there and of course there's this desire well if i could only go back to that you can't go back to it because that's not where you are <laughs> that's simple You can't go back to that because that's not where you are anymore. So we need to start looking around for manna. we need to start looking around for something new, for a new way that God is feeding us. Take a look at this next slide. Then they were asked to gather it. They were told some gathered much, some little. The one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. So in the morning, this manna came down, people gathered it up, and it was always the perfect amount. It was just what they needed. Ready for this? For that day. For that day. Very different way of looking at the world. A lot of the time, we struggle with that. We struggle because we want to accumulate more and more and more. We want to constantly glow. We want the cup to always be filling up forever and always. That's part of this story too. It's a part where God goes, no, you're not getting it. You're missing the point. As the band comes out, think about that for a minute. Where in your life are you tending to just fill it up too much? Where do you need that reminder that there actually is Enough. And where do you need a reminder to find that Sabbath rest? Settle me down. Yeah, like how do we just, how do we settle down? Like how do we just calm, 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 calm. You don't need to scoop up all the manna. You don't need to do it. That we can just rest. And it's, you know, the story goes on and there's a whole bit around like, don't scoop up too much. It's plenty. Just take, a breathe. Just take, A breath. Just take a breath. Because there's a beautiful command that's even part of this. On the seventh day, there will not be any manna. Six days you work, one day you rest. Even the manna, you don't need to go out and collect it. You collect enough on the day before, it will serve you for that day. We really need to have this idea of an empty glass. Critically important. Now, I'm going to step back over here again, and because and, uh, I think this is such an important point. One of the challenges, folks, that I think we consistently have, and this is from New Church Theology, we only see people in their needs as outside of our own, separate from our own. I believe all the time, no offense to anybody here, I believe all the time that my problems are worse than yours, which is crazy, Right? I believe constantly that my needs are more than other people. That's my ego speaking that does that. That, that those needs are outside my own. And that's again where, where service, the, the joy of service is that it helps to, to sort of um, get a baseline that's just a very different baseline, a very different way of seeing the world. But this is a, a big challenge out there in the world. One author I was reading had it put it this way. Listen to this, folks. Like th- let these words roll around in your head. We tend to live in this North American culture, with the view that scarcity is perpetual. Perpetual scarcity. No matter how much we have, there's still not enough. And that's true in so many different parts of our lives where people with a lot or people with a little doesn't seem to matter much. We still leave with this idea of perpetual scarcity. So if we have that idea of perpetual scarcity if i have that idea it doesn't make sense to leave one cup empty right it doesn't make sense i got to even fill this thing up here and and what i have to do with these what do you have to keep on doing with these cups somebody just shouted out you just got to keep on filling them up more and more and more does this resonate with anybody in here you know could i get an amen, amen. thank you you know coke zero amen so so, so we fill it up more and more and more, but the idea of Coke Zero is empty calories. You know, like there's nothing there. That's that treadmill that we can get on. And folks, what I would put out there too, I think we even do that with how we find rest. Listen carefully. Um, and this is what I want to be careful with because it, the language may come across wrong and I, don't, I, I just want to be careful with the language. I know for me, when I'm feeling like, all right, the glasses are all full and, and I really want to somehow keep some space, what I need to do is, I know, I know best way to rest is to find entertainment, is to find entertainment. So what I do is I take entertainment and it's water and I think, well, I'll just add it and this will change everything. It'll make it all somehow different. I'll be able to find real rest. I'll be able to find peace in my life if I just have 40 more channels and the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. There we go. Does that look restful to you? Does, does this make sense? Does this resonate? You know, where even, we're even the parts where we're supposed to be resting become an agenda for entertainment, um, I remember going down a few years back. We saved up money and went down to Walt Disney World. And really, frankly, all I wanted to do was, was sit by the pool. But when you've spent several thousand dollars, are you going to be sitting by the pool that much? No, because you've got places to go and Mickey to see. You know, so it's just go, 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 go. This... <laughs> This, folks, I don't want to make this out to be bad. I think this is, this is just the way kind of life works. And then we can fall into that. And I think that makes this even more important. Even more critical to have a space in our lives that actually is that empty glass. And I want to talk about this. I want to talk about why this matters so much by taking a look at a list and what I'm going to do is I'm going to come out in the audience with a microphone. Again, don't any, I'm not going to force anybody to say anything. If you would like to read one of these, just raise your hand. I'll come out and you'll just read. So I need a volunteer who's going to read for us. Number one up there. As soon as I grab the microphone. All right, who would like to read number one? really like this one. I would get, I'd take a picture of this slide. Rest in ultimate love. Just think, rest in ultimate love. Like, just think about that for a minute. Resting in ultimate love. You know, one of the things that's really interesting, folks, if, if I'm talking with somebody as a pastor, the easiest way to get them to roll their eyes, like one of those, is not talking to a teenager. It's talking to an adult, looking them right in the eye and going, do you know God loves you. Do you really know that? Nine, you did really well. <laughs> nine, <laughs> times of, nine times out of ten, they roll their eyes. Because we don't really rest in ultimate love. You don't rest. Just like, mm. that's a good one. Number two
1: draw from an ultimate source.
0: Draw from an ultimate source, that there is is a grounding somewhere out there, that there is an ultimate something. There's a a rock, there's something higher than us, there's something we can stand on and be on and navigate by that just gives us a sense of like, oh, ultimate source. Folks, the ultimate source is not going to be found in more entertainment. The ultimate source is not going to be found in working 65 hours instead of 60 hours a week. Really important. All right, number three. You can tell my wife I went running
1: today. Learn trust instead of resistance.
0: Could we say amen, sister? Amen. amen. amen sister. Learn trust instead of resistance. Like, I mean, how I? I have resistance against taking time off. I you mean, know, I was sharing with the, with the sermon writing team. You know, I get resistance. Like, I literally can fall into, wait, I'm, I, Lord, I'm too busy to pray today. I'll get to it tomorrow. Like, I'm a pastor. You know, it's what I'm paid to do. But, but I don't really trust. I, so if I don't trust, the opposite is resistance. Like, trust. Trust. You know, God's got it. You know, God's got it. This, one's, this next one's really good. Who wants to read us number four?
1: Listen to God's truth instead of forever dispensing our own.
0: I like that one. It's, it's so easy for us just to dispense our truth, dispense it. Like what my job is, is to render my opinion whether you ask or not. And even when I pray, and you've heard me say this before, even when I pray, all my prayers are is an intelligence briefing to God. I'm just going to dispense my wisdom to God. But I'm not actually going to listen. And the last one. The blessed work of subtraction. The blessed work of subtraction. I, I example, and I, I preach this all the time, I use it all like in, when I do weddings. You want to create a statue of an elephant? Carve away everything that's not an elephant. It's about how do we find that blessed work of subtraction? How do we actually remove some things from our life? To find this empty place. And it's a very full empty place. Very rich. Because when we're there, we are resting in ultimate love. We are understanding an ultimate source. We are learning to trust. Again, collecting that manna. Yeah, collected six days. But look, look, I need you for one day just to trust. Just one day. Just for one day, please. Just for one day, trust. Just for one day, trust. Just to listen. And to find that in the art of subtraction, maybe this, maybe in the art of subtraction, we find ourselves, find who we really are. Give everybody a round of applause who was so. I think, folks, that list is, is incredibly important. And with the Sabbath, like it's, it's a different space to get to. We go through those places and we come to this state and we, we have to work at it, like it does take some work, but not the work of a to-do list. It takes some work to get there. And, and then when we're there, it's, it's a different place. It's, it's a hard place. New church theology, new church, what, what we believe is that the Sabbath is so important and so critical and, and why was it that it said there like, well, you can't grab more bread. You're not gonna get more bread that day. It's, it's for this simple reason we get to a new place in life and this is a place of the heart. Deep place of the heart. And we can't go back to knowledge. We can't go back to grabbing more stuff. Grab, grab, grab. We come to this place and there is no turning back. But, but it's not a no turning back like thou shalt not turn back. It's just like, yeah, there's no turning back. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I mean, folks, you know those people. You know those people who live the Sabbath, believe it or not, seven days a week, who get it and just bring peace into your life. But for most of us, I think probably 95% of us here, you know, that's not true. It's it's, it's a journey to get to that 5% of our life that actually is the Sabbath. I want to use an example of mountain climbing to take a look at that. So take a look at this short video. When it comes back, I want to talk about the 5% he mentions. Take a look.
1: I felt my body was like in full shutdown mode. And it was brutal at moments, but it was breathtakingly beautiful. At the top of that mountain, you know, you can almost kind of make out and see like the curvature of the earth. I mean, it was just a moment I'll never forget. The reasons I climb aren't that different from other people. 95% of it does suck. I'm staring at the dirt. I'm not even able to go and talk to my friends and see the beautiful views unless I stop and sit down and look. But that 5% that doesn't suck, it's amazing. Getting to a place that there's no way my wheelchair could have brought me there, that's what I love. I'm not trying to live to be a thousand, like I wanted, I want to go out there and have my life mean something. When I've gotten down and I've looked at the mountain and I see what we've achieved, it's like, wow. Maybe that was a really bad idea that we were there, but it was beautiful.
0: I love his use of the word 5% there. And, 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 you know, and he's, he literally is handicapped. So in a certain sense, he can only look at like the, the dirt that's right in front of him. And I feel like, boy, I, at, a, at a very figurative level, I get that too. You know, Where you're so immersed in the details of your life that it's really hard to sit up, look up, and look out. Sit up, look up, and look out. Just for that 5%. I want to come back over here and talk about why this is so significant. I think, folks, like, this is that ship, right? Up and down, up and down, up and down, big waves. It's interesting, you know, how church history has moved, how church history has moved. Because this is a way, in, 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 in Jewish thought, you know, you had the, the six days of creation, and then the seventh day, you had the Sabbath. So it was to be a day of rest. It was to sort of come at the end of the week, which is, which is indeed beautiful. Incredibly beautiful. And the Christians came along and, and you know, developed over over centuries. And what the original Christian said is, look, that's, that's great. We need to have a Sabbath. But maybe we can sort of, maybe just hold it a little bit differently. Honoring the Sabbath, which is what you're doing, frankly, here today. Honoring the Sabbath, but honoring it differently. So they moved the Sabbath from Saturday. You get one guess for the right answer. From Saturday to... Sunday, Sunday. So you're doing what Christians have done for thousands of years to celebrate the Sabbath. Now here's the miracle part. They said, you know, that's great that it ends the week. Maybe what we need is for it to start the week. So we climb up the mountain We get that 5% time, and I don't know what it is for you. You know, that'd be a great conversation to have on your ride home in the car. What's that 5% of you where you, you like looked up and you just saw it? And then you go back down the mountain. But this climbing down the mountain starts from that experience. You go back into your life from that Sabbath experience. It's beautiful the way, you know, that religion works and how religion talks about these these rhythms that we desperately need. I I love the idea of the candles and and, and the idea of the Jewish Sabbath and Shabbat. Does anybody know what the two candles represent? Shabbat that you light on, if you're Jewish, that you light for Sabbath? Freedom and rest. Can we say that together? Freedom and rest. See, and I, I think you get it. In fact, I know you get it. What if we had a place in our life that we held as sacred, and it's where we found freedom and rest? And yes, a little bit of a combination of both traditions. Yes, it's a place where, where we come and we culminate our week, like freedom and rest. Freedom where we're moving out of Slavery. Freedom where we're moving out of challenges. Freedom where we're moving out of worry and fear and concern. And we're we're finding freedom and we're finding rest. Those two words go together. And we also have that space, those two candles of freedom and rest. And then they become the way we start our week as well. Starting it with a beautiful empty cup. I, I, I think we can do that. I think that's significant. I think that's a different way of seeing the world that's worthy of our lives. Practicing Sabbath. So you ready for your task for the week? Not to be done as a to-do list, but as a way to freedom and rest. Give me a yes or no. Yeah. Yes, here's your task. Make Sabbath the start of the week, not the not the end. Find that empty cup. Maybe that's what you want to do is, maybe on your dress you just want to put an empty cup. Or at work, put an empty cup up somewhere. Drop that plan. Say the last few words with me. Rest with God. Rest with God. Let's just try it. I mean, these commands go back thousands of years, and, and they keep on being refreshed because they're a reminder of the ways we can live. They're a call to something you know. And there's something, again, like of, that is true of so much religion. It can change your life. Amen. Please join me now in a prayer. After I offer a prayer, you'll have time to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it, to have a moment of quiet meditation, or to just simply offer your own silent prayer of rest. So please join me. Lord, seasons of love. Help us, Lord, to find in our lives seasons and rhythms of love. Those seasons and those rhythms, Lord, that yes, have days that feel full, at times may feel too full, but also, Lord, have times of Sabbath rest. Have times of calm. Have times where we do the necessary work of subtraction. Where we learn to rest in ultimate love, where we learn to turn towards ultimate truth, where we worry no more about dispensing our opinions out there into the world, but actually taking the grace and the humility to listen, to listen. to the beautiful rhythm. It is your flow through our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here today on this Sabbath, April 30th, 2017. Help us, Lord, yes, to feel this as the end of a week, as a way to pull a week together, but Lord, most importantly, help us to pull Sabbath. and Make it the start, the start of a new week, the start of a new outlook. Even if just for a minute a day, Lord, let us just remember to keep at least one cup One bucket in our lives, empty and inviting for you. Seasons of love, let them open in our hearts. In your name we pray, amen.